Before we get going, just want to say Darius had some issues with his mic during this episode, and I did everything I could to clean this episode up. This isn't usually the type of quality we strive for, but please stick with us because there's some really good stuff in this episode. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to 4th and 5, your Longhorn Nation podcast. I'm your host, Will Bazer, and I'm joined alongside by Darius Terrell, as always. You guys listen to the Cast channel, which you guys can find on any podcasting platform out there. If the one you're listening to right now isn't your favorite, go ahead and find it on that plat- on your. Go ahead and find us on your favorite platform. Today, we're going to be talking about the 2021 class, wrapping that all up in a nice, neat little bow, and then taking a look at... The 2022 class is Texas has a new recruiting. Texas has a new recruiting strategy, and Texas A&M and OU have a strategy to combat it. We'll talk about what that battle will look like going forward, and what the 2022 and what to watch for in the 2022 class. Darius, how you doing, man? Texas, uh, you know, the regular football season is over. We still have this FCS spring season going on, but you know, it's we're in this part of the season or a part of the calendar where it's it's recruiting season it's recruiting season that's what all the news is going to be that's where every website is now pointing to because at this point here's waiting for spring ball and superficial news about the rosters the best news is the superficial news about recruits that's what's hot now yeah i'm in my i'm in my second football season now i'm in the the f-u-t-b-o-l football season now and um I'm learning about the mental toughness that it takes to be out there in that freezing weather and, and stay conscious, stay awake, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. But, um, no, it's always recruiting season. And um, and like always, you know, we just finished. We, we're recruiting. It never stops. So we're wrapping up. We've wrapped up 2021. And, um, you know, the truth is the work has already been being put in on 2022 for for months now. So if you're just now, if you're keeping up with recruiting, you're just now focusing on 2022, you can't keep up with more than one class at a time. You're already way behind, so go ahead and buckle up, turn the volume up, and get ready to listen up. We've got a lot to share with you today. Yeah, but first, let's go ahead and put a nice bow on the 2021 class mm-hmm. and talk about some of the new signees first. First, you have Keithron Lee, the new wide receiver. He was committed back in December, kind of a surprise commit, and he gives you another wide receiver body at a position that, well, honestly, you need bodies at this point. Darius, what are we getting out of Keithron Lee? Uh, so Keith Ryan Lee is a guy that's from um he's from Bryan, Texas, uh, Ritter High School, um the Ritter Rangers. I believe it's a relatively new school down there um in Bryan, not far from Brenham High School. Um, I spoke with a coach that um that coaches at Brenham, um, been around there for a long time in the area. Um, he and he swears by this guy. Keith Ryan Lee, from everything I was told, is a guy that spent most of his time playing basketball. He didn't start even worrying about focusing on turning his attention to football. Um, until last season. So he's really a guy that's had uh, two seasons under his belt of high school football, and he was able to parlay that as a senior into a scholarship from, uh, from multiple places. And um, Texas was by far the, the, the biggest that he got, and um, pretty much he committed on the spot, kept things quiet for a while before giving Texas a, a public commitment in, um, on Christmas Day. Well, Texas has a, has a ton of uh, receivers on the roster. Keith Arnold Lee's a guy that, that profiles as, as a slot guy, in my opinion. He's not very big. He's probably about five. I'll give him about 5'10", um, on a great day, 5'11". Um, slim guy, probably about 170 pounds right now, and doesn't really have a frame to where he's really going to get up to, you know, he's not going to be a 200-pound guy. He's always going to be kind of slim. Um, but Keith Ron's a baller. If you take a look at those highlights um, that we have up on the TFB website, if you look at last week's Thursday, Thursday, we actually touched on a lot of this stuff, and uh, you can see Lee's highlights. Um, Big-time stat stuffer out there at, at, um, at Ritter this past season. I believe that's a 5A program down there. From what I'm told, from folks whose opinions I respect and I've seen them on a you know pretty much weekly basis, they they swear by the kid. They think if um if he stays healthy and gets a a, a true opportunity, he's got he has NFL potential. I'm interested to see Keith Ron Lee. He's a little bit of a a little bit of a mystery guy to me, but again, late bloomer, didn't do any camps, anything like that. Um, just started focusing on the sport of basketball seriously, sport of basketball, sport of football seriously, just two years ago. So he's got a lot of upside, a lot of things that he can get better on on campus. 
it seems right around that area, kind of outside of Austin, and it's kind of like a no man's land. And it seems like there's always one or two really good players coming out of there a year. It's always a guy who you don't really know about. They don't go to camps. They're kind of out mm-hmm. there, and nobody really wants to go and see them because there's not a lot out I there. Mean, Brendan's great, but I don't yeah. want a bunch of love bugs splattered all over my car. Right. And they end up coming to Texas and blowing up. So Keith Ron Lee, again, and also I think we talked about this. I don't know if it was on air or off air, but wide receiver is one of those positions where, especially in Texas, you don't need a five-star guy to get a guy who is, you know, a, a performer at the college level. Now it makes it a lot easier and you definitely want five-star guys, but you don't need them. And Keith Ron Lee is a guy who maybe like uh, Kelvante Dixon kind of comes out of the blue and is a guy in the slot wide receiver position who blows up. Yeah, Keith Ron's going to I mean, he's got he, – it's going to be hard for him to see the field um, playing a slot as a true freshman next year at Texas with guys like Jake Smith, um, with Jordan Whittington, with guys like um, Josh Moore that can play inside as well. It's going to be hard. But um, I think he's the guy that has a chance to come in and, and, and supplant guys behind them as quality depth, such as, you know, Dejon Harrison from the previous class. Um, guys like that, I think Lee has a chance to provide quality depth early in two years from now, maybe three years from now, we start to really see him get his opportunity. But, you know, um, wide receivers, one of those positions, kind of like offensive line, in my opinion, especially in the state of Texas. So many of them, so many receiver relies on so many different variables. You know what I'm saying? It's hard. Outside of those obvious guys, you know, the Jalen Waddles, you know what I'm saying, stuff like that, it, it, it's hard to, to gauge. So it depends on your system and finding the guys that fit the best for you. And, um, again, from everything I've been told, this dude is a baller. So I'm interested to see him once he gets on campus. Yeah, another guy who we talked about last time we were talking about wrapping up the 2021 class back in December, a guy who – he was in trouble with the law, but he was also a guy we talked about. He was an in-state guy who escaped Texas, basically. Texas overlooked him. Uh, there was him and Garfield. David Abiara was a guy who we talked about. I think we've already talked about him, but he's a guy who is actually a pretty good pickup for Texas. Getting Abiara on the line with Byron Murphy, that's a, kinda, that's a nice duo as long as you can develop them. Yeah, I'm I'm a big David uh, Abiara fan. I um from since back in early updates of my 2021 list back in shoot August, um I've I've had the guy rated as a top 30 player um in the state in the class overall. He was committed to Notre Dame for a long time. Early Oklahoma was recruiting him extremely hard. Um, they felt like he had given them multiple silent commitments behind the scenes, and um they were, they were expecting a flip from Notre Dame to Oklahoma at any time, and it never happened. Fast forward to his senior season, um, that Dave is doing well. He's kicking some butt out there. Ran into some uh, some maturity issues off of the field. From what I understand, all that stuff's been cleared up now. But um, Oklahoma was already kind of irritated that he had been, you know, taking his time, dragging his feet on flipping. You know, they felt like he'd been leading them on for a while. So at this point, he had already decommitted from Notre Dame, and now Oklahoma's like, well, you jerked us around for a while. So this was perfect excuse now to drop him, you know, say we got rid of him because he got in trouble. And what he's done ladies, he kept a low profile. Um, he did not finish out his, his uh, senior season. He played in seven games. Um, he missed those final three. Um, Legacy didn't make the playoffs um, due to his decisions off the field. But um, from everything I understand, the kid's remorseful about it. Bo Davis um, re-offered him. Steve Sarkeesian, <laughs> talk about a guy with second chances, you know, somebody that's going to understand. I'm a big fan of ABR. He's got super long arms. He's a guy that um, Sarkeesian talked about in the press conference. As a guy that they see as a guy that could potentially be a stand-up guy, Jack type of guy. I think he's able to do that at the high school level. I think his body is going to take him. I think he's going to be a guy that gains 20 to 30 pounds just naturally um, because of his frame. Yeah, you want that guy on the on the strong side with a tight end. You want him on the outside shoulder of that tackle most of the time. I think he's, I think he's a strong side defensive end in traditional terms. Texas is going to give him the opportunity to start off at Jack, though. You know, they're looking for pass rushers. But I think David's a guy, again, with his frame, that's going to be 275, 280 pounds. And you can never have too many athletic big guys like that. And, you know, you you just you get them out there, you turn them loose, and, you know, the odds are are, are high that at least one of them is going to pop. And, um, again, you can never have too many of these guys. And ABR is a huge pickup 
really quality pickup for Texas so late in the game, especially with the uncertainty about well, it's looking like Javon Sanders is going to start on offense, even though they're saying they're going to do it both ways with the late pickups of ABR and Baron Sorrell in the early signing period. But I'm a fan of Ariara, and um, I think he's going to be a player for Texas. Yeah, I'm still interested to see if Jatavian Sanders ends up on the offensive side of the ball. I'm sure he can play on that side of the ball, but it seems like it's coaching speak to say, yeah, we'll give him a shot on both sides of the ball. But at the end of the day, defensive end is a lot more important than tight end. And, you know, I'm sure that they're going to be able to figure out a way to convince him that defensive end is your better spot. Well, 10 years ago when I was playing, you could tell a kid, you could promise a kid he's going to do one thing and then change it up once you get on campus. But, um, I mean, the game has changed now. There, there is free transfers. It's free agency in college football. If they told that man he's going to get a chance to play offense, they're going to have to, they're going to, have to stick by it or he's not going to stick around. So, and, and from That's what true. I know from Jatavian, I've, I've been on the field. We've played against him. I've, I, I, it's obvious to me that he likes playing offense better than he does playing defense. Um, I, talent's not a question, but the, the motor, the effort is not always there. Um, on the defensive side of the ball. He's always been a lot more engaged offensively from what I've seen. But, um, no, if they told him they're going to do something, they're going to have to do it, Will. Or he's not He's not going to be at Texas. Right. No, I get I get that. I get that. It's more of a kind of coaxing him into a spot than right. telling him you're going to be in this spot. But going back to the new signees here, talking about guys who have second chances, Ishmael Ibrahim, a guy who was supposed to be a cornerback who signed in the early period, you got mixed up in the wrong crowd at Dallas Kimball and you got in trouble with the law. But I guess we're a second chance program now under Steve Sarkeesian and Ishmael Ibrahim makes it into the class. I mean, it's not now. We saw Term Herman let Reese Letow come into the program. He's called on campus selling ecstasy. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? But it's, you know, it's, it's who your family is. You know, you got a powerful dad. But um, Ishmael Ibrahim's a guy, I mean, it's just pretty much straight up. Um, hanging with the wrong crowd. He is. Um, he was an accessory. He was in the vehicle. Um, from what I understand, he did not know it was stolen. <laughs> but um, the process, he got his due process. Everything got worked out. His name was cleared. So Ibrahim never wavered in his commitment to Texas since he made it this summer. Ishmael's a guy that's um, he he's older for the class. He's already 19 years old. Um, he'll be 20 during his freshman year on campus. So he's not a traditional freshman. But um, he's a tall guy, legitimate, six foot one. Will can run. Um, he, he's got that height, length, and speed that um, coaches covet on paper at the position. Um, it's going to be on um, on uh, what's my new man's name, Terry Joseph. It's going to be on Terry Joseph to coach him up, you know, and develop him. Um, Ishmael's going to be very raw coming from uh, the program that he's coming from. I believe Kim was a 4A program. The physical talent is there. From an age perspective, he's not a traditional freshman. He, he You would think he's going to find a way to contribute. Um, somehow next year, but when you do look at the depth chart at Texas, um, with with Deshaun Jameson, with um Josh Thompson, with the new incoming uh, uh Darion Dunn, with Keaton Crawford who saw playing time last year, and Jade Barron, I mean you kind of go you know where you know where is the playing time at cornerback? But Ishmael's a, um again a lot of, a lot of tools to work with there and and develop and, and dream on, and um you know if you put it all together that's a, that's a potential NFL guy, but you know it's again a lot of moving parts there. Yeah, I'm going to be interested to see what happens with him because, like you said, it's going to be a development question. And given the fact that the staff, this defensive staff, or at least Kwiatkowski has shown that he likes guys who are more in the Deshaun Jameson threshold, the the Darian Dunn sort of frame of body, he likes guys who are speedsters, who are guys who can keep up with guys, who can press up on the line, and then also keep up. Yes, a guy who is, has a long frame and can keep up, that's something that's a rarity. If you can get that in Ishmael Ibrahim, then, like you said, he's an NFL talent, but it's a fact of can you coach him up to be fundamentally sound enough to deal with that? Right, and he's physical, Will. He'll come up and tackle, but it's, he just needs a lot of technical work and, mm-hmm. and just the little stuff with the position. Yeah, Jameer Johnson and Ishmael Ibrahim are two guys who are who basically fit that description of they're going to need some time to develop, but they have the tools, potentially. Uh, I think Ishmael Ibrahim more than Jameer Johnson. But a guy who, in this class, I think, even though he's not a recruit, I think he's probably, or has potential to be, the best addition 
in this 2021 class is Darian Dunn, the guy out of McNeese State. Texas needed in this defense, especially and most defense, everybody defense, every defense needs a cover corner guy, a guy who you can put out there on an island and they can deal with the best wide receiver. When you watch McNeese State against Oklahoma State and watch him on Tylen Wallace versus what our corners did against Tylen Wallace, it is night and day. Darian Dunn might be a sneaky great pickup for the Longhorns, and he gives you basically everything that this new staff wants in a cornerback in terms of his ability to play, his speed, his ability to stay in the hip pocket, and just his ability for coverage in general, his understanding of the game. I'm excited about Darian Dunn and what he brings to Texas. No, absolutely. Darian Dunn, um, Darian Dunn is on, he was on NFL, he was on draft um, radars this past season, coming into this past season for McNeese. And um, again, he's a, he's a Southland Conference, finishing the top three in the 60 meters, 100 meters, the guy can roll, legitimate height, weight, speed guy. Again, talk about that prototypical stuff you look for. Super competitive guy as well. From everything I've heard, I mean, folks are really, really high on Dunn. Oklahoma was trying to sneak back in there after Tom Herman um, was relieved of his duties and was trying to see, make sure Dunn hadn't signed yet, see if they could possibly flip him late. A lot of excitement about him on campus right now. With Josh Thompson and Deshaun Jameson returning, it's really intriguing to hear you know, what I'm hearing so far. And again, he has the, 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 the verified track speed and size. Jalen Green transferred for a reason, and I think it was this guy. So let's go ahead and really wrap this class up now. Texas's needs in the 2021 class were the offensive line, the wide receivers, the cornerbacks, and the defensive end. Replacing Joseph Osai, Sam Cosme, and getting some guys behind defensive backs are going to be leaving this year, and also getting some strength out on the outside at wide receiver. Darius, how do you feel Texas addressed the needs of the roster in this 2021 class? Uh, you can just say let's it. Let's start. Let's start with. Oh uh, no! I mean, it's not well. Uh if you're looking at last season, I mean, if you're looking for instant impact, as far as finding instant impact, um, at, at weaker positions, um, I mean, you you have to say that that the need wasn't met. I mean, if Jatavian Sanders plays defensive end, then sure. But other than that, yeah, no. No, I mean it's not it's it's not a class on paper um that's gonna really compare to most of the to what we're used to seeing around here. Oh, how do I say it? Because I'm not gonna dump on kids that I'm not they haven't played a down yet at Texas, man. So I don't and again you just you never know. Again, so it's it's hard to try to project and assume also because, I, I mean, yeah, we, we've we seen, you know, our Alabama's offense. I mean, I think it's naive to assume that Texas is going to look like that next year. It's not the same kind of players. We've seen Washington, but we, ha- we haven't seen it at Texas yet. I mean, we're, it's a guessing game with this whole deal. I'm not going to be negative about the 2021 class. I think there are some nice pieces in there. And the truth is when you're building a football team, it's never just one class that does it anyway. It ends up being the sum of all of those parts that comes together. Um, I think there are some good pieces here. I think there are some they're throwing numbers at positions as well, which I think is a smart way to go about it, even though that didn't really work for Charlie Strong in that 20, what, 2016 class with those five defensive tackles, <laughs> and none of them panned out. But um, I'm not – Jordan um, Elliott did, just not at Texas. Yeah, not at Texas, man. So um, I just – it's hard. It's hard because if you looked at 2017, you would have thought that that was a, a trash can class on campus and you end up – you know, like you might be pulling out – a first rounder out of that with Cosme, you end up having a four year starter at quarterback. You never know. But on paper, it's not, it, it doesn't get you as excited as, as previous classes. But one other position you probably need in this class was a running back, a guy who's an instant impact at running back. Because if for some awful reason one of your running backs goes down on campus, you need a guy who you could trust. And Jonathan Brooks is good, but I'm interested to see if. That translates from two-way football into college football, but, you know, missing on LJ Johnson, missing Kamar Wheaton hurts in this class. Uh, I mean, you got to understand, too. I mean, those those kids have eyes. I mean, they, they saw B. John Robinson. They they know that that's a, he's a freaking true freshman again next year. They know Roshan Johnson has been there for two seasons and changed positions and all that good stuff. Got a lot of goodwill in the program and with the fan base he's going to play. So that's two spots right there. 
Um, um, with the trend, with the transfer from Tennessee, Gray, you know, it seemed everybody was in his head talking about B. John Robinson. It was going to be hard bringing a guy in here and convincing him that, you know, he's going to have a chance to really show, you know, his stuff. I like Jonathan Brooks. I think he's a talented player. I think Jonathan Brooks is going to be a, a, a complimentary RB2. Most of his career with a chance to be a starter later on. Well, I, I like Jonathan Brooks. Um, it would have been nice to have a guy like LJ Johnson, but at the end of the day, and, and LJ shot a commitment video with, with TFB last summer. Despite everything that went on, he still was leaning Texas heading into that last week, and then he just decided he had to make a business decision. Mm-hmm. And what do you think that business decision was, Will? B. <laughs> it was Bijan Robinson, man. Yep. It was a business decision. So he just got to stay healthy. I'm not in love with Roshan um, being a feature back. Um, but I do like Jonathan Brooks. And Daniel Young is returning next year from everything I understand. And he's no world beater either. But, I mean, he, he's he, depth. He's a Yeah, he's a veteran. Uh, you got Gabriel Watson on campus as well on the roster. So you got five scholarship running backs there. They'll figure something out, man. And personally, I agree with you on the fact that it's hard to evaluate the talent in this class. If you looked at the 2017 class, everybody was mocking that class. And they took that as a personal challenge to themselves and guys like Sam Cosby and Sam Ellinger, you know, succeeded past what people thought they would. Perhaps this class does the exact same thing. And there are guys in the class who surprise us. We'll see. We'll see. I'll say this, Will. I would have liked to have Jalen Milrow in the class. You let a guy in Mike Yersich run off Jalen Milrow and run off to Quentin Jackson. And Mike Yersich isn't even on your coaching staff anymore. Yeah. That's that's unacceptable. In my opinion, It's, it's, it's irresponsible. From a from a head coaching standpoint, especially when I go back now and look at it, I I remember guys like Brandon Campbell who signed with USC that would have dying for a, for a, for a committable offer from Texas. You know what I'm saying? And and they didn't give them the time of day. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into that strategy later in the show because the strategy of the last staff and the staff before that and the end of the Mac Brown era, mm-hmm. they were atrocious. They are they were atrocious, and it was something that I think you and I. And most of us at TFB have just been, at least I know in private, I've been absolutely whining and bitching about for the past, ever since I started the show. It looks like things are changing in terms of all of that, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, I want to know, on the topic of, you know, losing guys like Jalen Milrow and Brandon Campbell and all of that. Who was the biggest win in this class, in your opinion? And who was the biggest loss? Uh, obviously, the biggest win is Jatavian Sanders, right? It's no question. Yeah, I won't I, I won't take the easy way out and say Jatavian Sanders. Um, if I'm looking at this Texas class, I mean, I'm, I'm high on Casey Kane. I know, I know nobody has seen him. I'm high on Casey Kane. Um, I think he's going to be a player for Texas. But as far as the biggest win... Let's look at that linebacker position for me because Maurice Blackwell is a guy that um you know you're 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 reigning um eight six eight defensive MVP. Maurice Blackwell was a guy that he's got you know he's got Arkansas ties. Dad grew up Arkansas fan. I think he has a family in Arkansas. Baylor and I believe that was was that Matt Rule. No no that was David Randall. Baylor identified Blackwell early and put the full court press on him early. He was the number one defender on Baylor's board. And um, Texas was able to come in a little bit late and get a little bit lucky there and went out there with Maurice Blackwell. I think Maurice Blackwell is going to be a multi-year starter at Texas and end up um, being a heck of a player um, over time. I think he'll prove to be one of your bigger wins, especially when Texas was a little bit late to the party there. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that linebacker position. I think that is the strength of this class is Maurice Blackwell, Terrence Cooks, Derrick Henry, Guys like that in this class are the big wins. And specifically for me, Terrence Cooks, who was a guy who really wasn't you know, a huge win. He wasn't really you know, looking elsewhere. But at the end of the day, you brought him in and you know, you beat out everybody else who offered him. He was one of the better linebackers in the state of Texas at a position that is very necessary in the Big 12. I feel like that's a big win for Texas even though he isn't a big name, doesn't have the all the stars and all the accolades. I feel like that's a good win for Texas, but I think the obvious choice here is Jatavian Sanders taking the number 12 player in the nation, the number one play the number one athlete in the nation, the number two player in the state. You know, it's it's hard to beat that. 
Uh, with, especially, especially when Texas... With, with, with all the negativity. Yeah, all the negativity and the fact that he's the only top 20 player in the state that you got. According to, to some people. The composites. Yeah, but... Yeah. So, we'll end off the 2021 class with, you know, looking back wistfully, who was the biggest loss? Is it, It's got to be the Brockermeyers, right? Uh, let me start over from the top again. Jalen Milrow, Kamara Wheaton. Oh, don't forget, don't forget, Will. Um, Texas had Mario Williams on campus over the summer and apparently had no clue who he was. So, he was in – no, they were in his top five, and he was dropped after that and never spoke of again. My Lord. Clayton um, Smith. You know, JoJo Earl's gonna be a player. Hey, hey, hey! So, here, story time, real quick. Nah, not story time. But real quick, real quick on on the podcast. Before he blew up or anything like that. So, you know, with TFB, no, we're not. Well, we're not rivals. You know, two four seven. You know, the big name. So we get on these kids early, and they talk to us all the time. What happens later on? All the attention starts to come from the quote unquote bigger sites or whatever. What happens? They stop talking to us. Right, so I, I had developed a really good rapper with Clayton Smith. All right, I was I was getting you no know, quick response from him often early on in the process um, through his sophomore year, um, most of his junior year, and um, there was a period, there was a time where I felt like, and I don't know, I know for a fact, Will, because he told me, because um, I remember uh, K texted me was asking about Oklahoma and, and Clayton. I said, Clayton, there's some rumors out there that Oklahoma's your leader, blah blah blah. He said, No, Texas. LSU, A&M, then Oklahoma. He said, in that order. <laughs> Texas was the Clayton Smith's leader, and then there was a period of time for about three weeks there, uh, Will, where um, I can I can confirm with 100% certain Texas. Uh, Clayton Smith didn't hear from anybody at Texas, and he didn't know what was going on. Um, originally, he was being recruited by, um, by Orlando, and remember, he got let go. Later on, Oscar Giles would come into the equation. He would never hear from Coleman Hustler, but Giles kind of that they were scrambling. I think they decided after the fact with a new linebackers coach, new defensive coordinator, that they wanted to recruit Clayton Smith as a defensive end instead of a linebacker. At that point, it was too late. Oklahoma had already came in, been kissing his butt, told him how great he was, told him how much they love him. And long story short, he signed with Oklahoma. He now hates Texas. Yeah, so they have to deal with that. But I don't – Clayton yeah. Smith's not a five-star player. I don't know where that's coming from. I saw that on 247. No, he's not even close to that. But, he, but he's, I mean, a good, he's a very good prospect. He's one of the guys – you have Billy Bowman he missed on. Billy he's, Bowman. A, he's an electric player. Let me give you about, let me tell you about Billy Bowman, though. Billy Bowman, Billy Bowman, Will. If Billy Bowman is to play wide receiver, if it's that wide receiver, Will, that knocks him down a couple of notches, man. He's a playmaker on defense, on defense. And Oklahoma doesn't need any freaking wide receivers. They don't need any wide receivers. But, no, yeah, losing Bowman's commitment uh, was definitely big. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and gloss over to Brockermeyer. I'm not going to spend too much time there. Well, Donovan Jackson. I want to <laughs> spend a little bit of time because it will go into the next part. The Brockermeyer's loss, the loss of the Brockermeyer's, was a combination of Texas's mediocrity over the past decade on top of the staff's arrogance. It started off with offering James Brockermeyer, who would end up being the top-rated center in the nation, a preferred walk-on spot at Texas. If you want to get a five-star on your campus, I don't care if his brother is a two-star, you offer him a scholarship, and then he turns into Deontay Foreman. That's dumbassery, especially when you have his brother on campus that walked on as well. Yeah, and then on top of that, you know, there was... A ton of stories like, you know, when, when Luke Brockemeyer was, you know, sick. I saw a report where they called the Brockemeyers to not check up on Luke Brockemeyer, but to check up on Tommy Brockemeyer. And it, it's stuff like that that is just, that's how you lose a recruit 101. It's disingenuous, it's arrogance, and it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. It, it, it's just. It has kind of been the M.O. of staffs for the past three different staffs. Again, we'll get into how it's changing in a little bit here, but I think the Brockermeyers has to be the one that got away because it was a legit shot that you had. I mean, honestly, everything that Texas did to basically sway the Brockermeyers not to go to Texas, they still had a shot at the end. They still had a shot at the end. So it sucks. It sucks. But... You know, you have to look forward. Newsflash, you know, people that represent the University of Texas, work for the University of Texas, are, are arrogant. <laughs> Newsflash. Yeah. 
we're looking at this offensive line stuff real quick. Can I let me just run through some names real quick? We talked about the Brocker Myers real quick. Uh, Ruben Fathery had an offer. Did he oh, not? are we going to go all the way through? Because well, I mean, no, I'm, 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 no, I'm just looking at the O line real quick, real quick. Just just run through in these running running through these these targets real quick. So Brocker Myers, that's two. Let's just count real quick. Two. Ruben Fathery, three. Savion Bird, four. All right. Do you remember the uh the Arizona guys that were that were high on Texas early? Jonah Miller, Brown Rock, Walden. That yep. disappeared really quickly, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Matthew Wyckoff, Eric K. Texas was late to offer Ryan Ling Yale, who chose Baylor over them. Jack Lair, Jacoby Jackson. <laughs> Donovan Jackson was high on Texas at one point. Ends up signing with Ohio State. All right. Jaden Roberts. So just it's, it, the list is long. Um, I don't know what Herb Hand was doing. I don't know what his plan was. Has Herb Hand been hired by anybody since? Yeah, Charlotte. The University of Charlotte. Yes. I don't know if that's the University of Charlotte, but Charlotte. Or Charlotte yes. University. So he went from coaching offensive line at the University of Texas to the best job he could get was University was Charlotte. Yes. All right. I'm going to lead at it that. Yeah, no, it wasn't great. You know, it leaves a big hole for you to fill in 2022 is offensive line. You didn't really fill any holes that you had in 2021. So you also have outside wide receiver. You have the Jack linebacker. You have probably a cover corner. Once you find out, you know, what you have and, you know, potentially cover corner. Once you find out what you have in Ishmael Ibrahim and Jameer Johnson, Keaton Crawford and Jade Barron, you probably are going to need a good quarterback in this class because you probably are going to need, I mean, again, offensive line. I, I can't, you know, the number of offensive linemen you need is, is ridiculous. You're, you have questions at linebacker, depth at linebacker. Um, you have questions in that secondary, um, especially at safety more so than corner. You know what I'm that's saying? That's true. Safety. Yeah, that's a big one. Um. I think I like the offensive line coming back next year, dude. You got you, you might have Kerstetter and Okafor as backups. Yeah, I know, but the offensive line after that is what the question is. That's what that's, what that's what the question all, is. All of those jokers are young. You see what I'm saying? Like it's not. I mean, Carriage is a freshman again next year. Tyler Johnson's a redshirt freshman next year. Junior Uncle Al's a sophomore again. Jake Majors is a freshman again. You know what I'm saying? They're not in that bad a spot. That's true, but still, you need you need guys in that position. You need the best guys, you know. Isaiah Hookfin will be a freshman again next year. They're they're not in a bad spot. So then, in your opinion, where are they look? Where should they be looking? What's the what are the positions of need? So you're looking at Texas has what 13 guys at receiver on scholarship right now, 14, and none of those dudes are seniors outside of Brandon Schooler. And you've already got a commitment from uh, Amani Winfield. I wonder how big the receiver class is going to be. Um, in 2022, I'm thinking they're probably gonna they're only gonna take they're gonna take maybe three guys there, but you're gonna need to see some attrition uh, from the guys already on campus at that position because they got oh, the numbers sure. just don't make sense. They don't add up. You need it's way too many bodies at wide receiver and way too few bodies in those trenches. And I, I'm pretty sure I'm I'm I'll be willing to bet a lot of money that 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 evens out within the next 12 months. Yeah, I think you need you're gonna need a guy or you're going to need a few guys for outside wide receiver because if you're just going to hope that Troy Amarier comes back and is amazing, right? A guy who has a knee injury, you know, I, I think he's going to be good, but a guy who has a knee injury and just hoping that he comes back and doesn't re-injure the knee again or doesn't have injury issues, you know, you can't just put all your eggs in that basket. Oh, no, hell no. Josh so you're going to need, you're gonna gonna need to back. stack up. At off outside line, outside wide receiver. I don't see it. I don't see it. I think they got a lot of good options on campus. Avante Woodard is still there. Marcus Washington is still there. Josh Moore is still there. I, I think I think they're good at wide receiver. Brendan Schooler is still on frick. I mean, I know he won't be back after next year, but they've got they've got they've got depth there. A wide receiver, in my opinion. I understand they have depth. What I'm looking for is, I want a higher ceiling at that position. Uh, I don't think you're gonna. The odds of, of a freshman. Uh. That's the one position that you can be a freshman and be very good. 
the skill positions. I ain't seen that at Texas. I haven't seen a receiver, a freshman receiver, dominated Texas. It's been a long time. Yeah, I know, but you've seen it at other colleges, haven't you? I mean, yeah, look at Quentin at Texas, Johnston, though. for instance. Not at Texas. <laughs> not... Sure, okay, fine. But, I mean, yeah, Quentin Johnston's a guy at TCU. I mean, I'm not even looking at, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, and all those schools, right? I'm, I'm just looking, you know, TCU, Baylor, they've done it. You know, Texas Tech, you've seen it. You've seen it happen where a wide a freshman can come in and make an instant impact. Well, the good news at is wide receiver. the good news is Texas already had holds a commitment from Armani Winfield. They were close to getting the commitment from Evan Stewart. I don't think Texas is going to have any issues uh, attracting wide receivers with Starkeesian here. So that's the good news there for Texas fans for sure. Yeah, I think also you're probably going to need, as you said, linebackers in this class. Oh, yeah, big time. Linebacker is going to be a big, big need if, for replacing Jawan Mitchell and DeMarvin Overshone next Absolutely. year. So your big spots 2022. Obviously, offensive line need to kick some butt. Linebackers need to kick some butt. Defensive backs need to kick some butt this year. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a simple way to put it. So let's go through some of the names that Texas is looking at at the these positions. Now, one thing I have learned through I don't remember how many years of recruiting I've been following, but the names we say today will be 100% different or at least 90% different in about 10 to 11 months. So let's but let's go ahead and, and play yeah. this game. Yeah, I think it'd be about 40%, 30% different. Well, that, that's what you're hoping for. That's what you're hoping no, for as a recruit, no. Nick, is – that the names we say today are the names you'll hear at the in February or in December. So let's go and look through them right now. Offensive I got, I got an announcement too real quick, mid-podcast. Mid, okay. mid go ahead. All right. It's 11.31 p.m. and Oklahoma still sucks. Oklahoma right. does still suck. Go. I just thought about that. And Sorry. Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess you don't really need it. And a, they still uh, don't play any defense, no matter how much they try to hype themselves up. And they're hyping themselves up, talking about national championship aspirations. Didn't they drag Texas for getting hyped up out the beating Georgia with no players playing? They just beat a Florida team missing more players than Georgia was missing. They're talking about a national championship. Texas won a championship and been in the championship more recently than Oklahoma has in the last 21 years now. No living high school recruit has ever seen Oklahoma win a national championship or play a national championship game. That's a neat stat. I like that stat. I get tired of hearing about Oklahoma. Oklahoma sucks. I get tired of all the negativity right here. They're part of that driving force of negativity nonstop over here in DFW. Negative energy all the time about Texas. Oklahoma sucks. Nobody cares about Big 12 championships. <laughs> Great. Nobody cares. Texas has won and been in the national championship more recently than Oklahoma has. You know, it's been a few years for both teams, but I agree. It's been I 21 agree. years for one of them. That's that's also very true. And they've been to the playoffs more than the Bills made Super Bowl and lost all those times. So I'm tired of uh, just random thoughts. Oklahoma sucks. These are some random thoughts, but I'm I'm all for these random thoughts, Darius. I'm I'm all for these random thoughts. Now, they are doing pretty well, especially at wide receiver in this 2022 class. Oklahoma mm -hmm. is. They did get a nice nice running back, but so did Texas. So did Texas. Uh, you want to go real fast before we go through the names of Texas players that we're going to be looking for and hoping for. How about we get to the guys who actually are here and start with Jaden Blue, who just announced yeah. uh, the day before National Signing Day that he's going to be committing to Texas. you got the number four running back in yeah. the nation committing yeah. to Texas. Yeah, High four-star player, really good. Yeah, there aren't three running backs in the 2022 class better than Jaden Blue. So um, even if they don't fix that, who cares what they think? But um, you watch Jaden Blue's, Blue's film, man. He um, – I think he's better than L.J. Johnson. Um, I would have him rated right behind Kamar Wheaton. Um, when I look at Jadon Blue, his contact balance is tremendous. He's a guy that does not – he's not running through huge holes on, camp, on, on campus, on tape. Um, he's a guy that hits it up inside. He breaks tackles. He's able to make guys miss in small spaces. And then when he gets out in the open, um, he's a kid that had um, fully automated – Electronic time as as a as a freshman sub eleven seconds. I mean he's got he's got home run hitter speed. Um, Jadon's about five nine and a half five ten. He's already about two hundred pounds. He's also a tremendous receiver. 
Um, if the wide receiver, if the wide receiver, the running back position did not exist, Jadon Blue would still be a top-rated um, slot receiver, in my opinion. Um, a guy that comes to my mind for a comparison from him, if y'all remember from a few years ago at LSU, a guy named Darius Geis. I think Blue's got that same type of build, same type of contact balance. I think he's got more home run speed than Geis does. Um, this is clearly, clearly um, the top back in the state, in my opinion, and I'm so excited to get to watch him play for a season with B. John Robinson. Um, that point. is that is very true. I really like that Darius Geis. Thank you. Comparison now, thank, Darius Geis on the other hand is apparently not a great person to want to be hey, compared man, what guys to. Guys do in their spare time and none of our business. All y'all football player heroes. Hey, newsflash: a lot of your heroes in general, politicians, sports, whatever, they really ain't that good of people. All right, so you want somebody to look up to? Look up to yourself, or look up to. Somebody that you grew up in your household with or something. But um, these sports figures and stuff, the folks you see on TV, a lot of times they're, they're, they're just like you. They're not perfect. They're just like us, I should say. They're not perfect. On that note, let's talk about a not perfect situation Texas finds themselves in. It seems really good, though, uh, at the quarterback position because that's another position that's pretty important for every class. You usually want to get one quarterback in a class. Mm-hmm. And going through the names that of players that Texas wants. Obviously, you had Quinn Ewers committed for a while. The number one player in the nation, the you know the only other perfectly rated commit Texas has had uh, at one point. Now he's at Ohio State. You know, you lost him. And mm-hmm. Texas has been trying to get back in, into that race, and it just doesn't seem like he's leaving Ohio State. So Texas has said, all right, we'll, we'll continue to try to – chip away there but we're gonna start looking other places and you have malik murphy out of california and that's junipero junipero sarah high school will i know that because i played him in 707 high school that's also the home of your goat quarterback tom brady wow i didn't know that california yes sir junipero sarah when i played them they had robert woods and stuff will whoop their ass we whipped their (laughs) ass Robert Woods still playing in the NFL right now. I made a lot more money than I've ever made in my life. But I kicked his ass in the summertime one time back in high school. That's I'm great. That's that good story. to hear. I'm really, I'm really proud of you, In front of, of Keyshawn Johnson, who was rooting for him, talking a lot of shit. Kick that ass out there, man. Darius, I'm really proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll and, never forget. Malik Murphy is a guy whose name is really hot right now. Really, really hot in Texas, in, in the Texas circles, because starting to – feel like or you know starting to have some rumors that he's might be winding down and looking at texas mm. the five-star quarterback the number two pro style quarterback in the nation looking at texas you know you go from the number one to number two mm-hmm. and that should make me really excited but the fact that malik murphy hasn't played in a year and a half and is coming off an injury is something that gives me pause what do you think darius uh, Malik Murphy has never accounted for a touchdown at the varsity level. So for him to be rated as a number two quarterback, five-star, all this crap, it just it feeds into my opinion of you know this ranking stuff not being worth the crap. He looks nice in 707 settings, you know, legitimate size, big kid, 6'4", 220 pounds as a, as a junior in high school. I don't know how old he is, you know. Sometimes folks are old for the grades when you just never know. I don't know. I had a lot of people hitting me up about Malik Murphy over the last few days, and I just I don't mean to come off as a negative Nancy or dump on the kid. I just I'm not I'm not gonna get myself hyped up about a a kid that has not done anything yet. Football games are not played in in, in a t-shirt and shorts, you know, with somebody counting behind you for four seconds, seven on seven. Okay, you have guys coming at you. There are different things going on. You have to communicate with other guys. Um, bullets are flying around. It's heat of the moment type stuff. Seven on seven is not a realistic representation of of any body skill set and that's why college coaches don't attend that stuff so and excuse me if i'm going on a rant real quick i will get back to malik murphy but when i see folks talking about they can you know what's going on now it's turning into aau basketball and these coaches are saying hey i can get this kid a scholarship it's crap there are no college coaches watching seven on seven well if any coach is evaluating and offering kids off seven on seven they're going to get fired <laughs> they're going to get fired because it's not real football but um, going back to Malik Murphy now, um, I, I just think he's very, very unproven. I think if he is a take this early for Texas, Texas has to be taking another quarterback in the class. And um, I don't know. I just with, with kids like this, he hadn't played yet. He got a lot of hypes around him. I just I, 
usually, you know, situations like this when the kids do face adversity. And again, we're in an era now of transfer portal kids. I'm gotta sit out. I don't have no reason to think this kid would stick around if he doesn't get his way. Um, once he gets to campus and there are some things going on, just based on all the hype surrounding him, when he really hasn't done anything. So I'll f- forgive me if I'm coming off sounding negative about Malik Murphy right now, but I'm not super excited about that. Um, Texas has three offers out to quarterbacks in the class: Quinn Ewers, Malik Murphy, and um, Austin Westlake's uh, K. Klubnik. Um, the current staff did not—they never reoffered Connor Wegman, who committed to A&M the other day. Um, they've never shown I don't any get interest. That one. <laughs> I don't either, and they've never shown any interest in my other guy in the class, and Josh Hoover. So that leads me to believe that Sarkeesian clearly has a plan. He's clearly got some, some, some. He's getting some feedback somewhere that um he's only got to offer these three guys right now, and he thinks he's gonna get an answer from one of those three guys. So um we're gonna let it play out. Um, Klupnik grew up Aggie mom, Aggie dad, Aggie family. I just have a hard time seeing. You know, you can't tell me that kid didn't grow up screaming. You know, Texas sucks. <laughs> you can't. And then you're going to tell me that, you know, just because uh, Wegman committed that you will hope that maybe the family's pissed off at them now. Well, I'm going to send them to Texas. Well, Texas and them don't get to play each other anymore. So, you know, <laughs> if he goes, you're not ever going to get to scratch that itch. So, um, I just, there's only three offers out, Will. I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, I think we'll probably have an a answer on our things pretty soon. But yeah, if you I, take Murphy, you got to take another quarterback, in my I opinion. I agree. I agree with everything you just said. And I know we were going to go over names here, uh, especially, you know, at tackle, off of the tackle and defensive line and linebacker in this class. I think we can save that for another show. I want to talk about the strategies that are going to be playing out through this 2022 class because Texas has a new strategy when it comes to recruiting, and that is they are done with the exclusive offer. They are done with acting or supposedly done with acting like the Texas offer is worth anything more than, you know, just another offer, right? You know, they're acting like what Bama does, like what Oklahoma does, what Clemson does, what Ohio State does, which is offer players out. Send the offers out. Get your name out there, get your name in the heads of these recruits, even though you may not be in the contention at the very end of the day, you're still getting your name out there. You're getting your name into these different high schools. You are showing respect, quote unquote, respect to these players, to these coaches, to these programs, to these areas. And at the end of the day, having as few offers as Stanford isn't really going to help you out. It's not going to show your evaluations are the best. It's not going to show that. It's not going to show that you know what you're doing. What it's going to end up doing is it's going to end up costing you guys like Caleb Burton, Jackson Smith Nigba, Garrett Wilson, Jalen Waddle. Who else am I missing, Darius? There, there was just so many names out there. Austin Stogner, Jalen Waddle, Jalen Waddle. It's gonna end up biting you in the ass more times than it does. Landing you a guy like, I don't know, Joseph Osai. Maybe even that's not a good example of it. It really doesn't boost the gravity of the offer at all. I don't think it was a deciding factor for any recruit that Texas ever offered or got the commitment of. I don't think anybody was like, Texas doesn't give out offers, so this offer meant a lot to me, and that's why he committed. It's nice in theory, but for Tom Herman, Charlie Strong, and Mac Brown to act like, the Texas offer really meant anything, whoa, at least towards the end of Mac Brown's whoa, career. I was about to say, wait a minute now. Mac Brown's a whole one that started that, but Mac Brown's a whole different animal than them guys. Mac Brown was. Well, winning. I was talking about the end of his career, the end of the end of his time at Texas. <laughs> I mean, yeah, 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 because things weren't. It, it you saw, you saw, you saw, you saw towards the end of his career, off. you saw that it was time to get rid of that. But what Texas did, Charlie Strong came in there. I'm feeling myself. I'm the head coach at Texas. We exclusive. Nah, that that don't work. Tom Herman comes back into town. Hey, I'm back at Texas. I'm back home. Arrogance on a thousand. Yeah, this is Texas. You only this offer means something. Them kids like the offer don't mean crap. I ain't seen Texas win nothing. Okay. When Mac Brown was winning 10, 11, 12 games every year, when I was coming out of high school, Will, he could get away with that shit. Okay. Yeah. He could tell you, hey. I'm going to tell you exactly what he told me sitting there in the office, all right? He's like, well, 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 there's your, you're the number one, you're number one on our board, but guess what? 
this is the state of Texas. State of Texas is very big. And then he looks over at my parents. State of Texas is very big. All right. If you walk out of here right now, there are going to be 20 other kids that are ready to take a Texas offer at your position. I'm looking at my parents like, I don't care. They're looking at you like, you better take that offer. All right. And that's how you do it. You can get away with that when you're Mac Brown, when you're Clemson right now, when you're winning like you're winning. Texas got it. To hear that Tom Herman was still doing that crap, pulling that crap with, with, the state that the program's been in over the last decade shows me how out of touch with reality people can really be sometimes. And again, right. so that, that Texas a- arrogance trickles down. It, it, it's, it's like a cancer. It flows through that campus. How the hell is Steve Sarkeesian? He got to get out in front of that. But it's a positive step that you're doing the opposite. I see what yeah, you're saying. Exactly. You're, you're getting you're out ahead of this by sending out. I, I don't even know how many how many offers there have been. I mean, it seems like there's a new Three or four offers a day. Good. Well, Overall, fifty. Almost I remember like Mac used to say stuff like, "We offered thirty-one kids, we got twenty-eight commits. Who gives it? Who cares?" Yeah, they have a hundred and twenty-six offers out right now, compared to last year when they had a hundred and sixty-three total. So. Last year in the class of twenty twenty-one, they handed out hundred and sixty-three offers. In the nation, this year they are already looking to eclipse that offer number, and we aren't even in the summer. We aren't even out of February. We aren't even in the offer period of March. We are still in February. They are offering these kids out. They are getting their name out there. They are starting to put their names so that a kid can't say, oh, you didn't offer me. You disrespected me. You know, you're not going to be missing out on guys like Caleb Burton. You're not going to be missing out on guys like Garrett Wilson, where if he starts to blow up, you're already right in his ear. You have an mm-hmm. inside an inside angle there. You're not going to be coming in late and being like, oh, man, you know, we've always liked you, and, you know, you just now earned your scholarship. No. That's how you lose kids. That's how you lose kids. That's how you lose Latrell McCutcheon. That's how you lose Andrew McCuba. That's how you lose uh. these kids. Yeah, I mean, it's especially the kids growing up around the area. But, hey, I saw something today. Um, I saw something today that was talking about um, part of taking back the state of Texas starts with, with winning over your backyard. And I, and I got I got really excited, right, because I started thinking, oh, somebody's really about to – somebody else sees this. Somebody's going to point out what I'm saying about Texas does not recruit the Austin area worth the crap, right, mm-hmm. outside of two places. I click on the article, excited to see, oh, somebody gets it. It's entirely about Austin Westlake and taking all the walk-ons, two walk-ons this year from Westlake and the new offer, uh, offensive lineman, Connor Robertson, a 2022 guy that'll probably commit. Dad played at Texas. Grandpa went to Texas, whatever. But Texas will. I'm, I've talked of, of There's players uh, at Adele Valley. There, There's there players. are players all There's around. Players outside of Flugerville, Manor. Flugerville ISD. Up north, Manor. yeah. Okay, Austin ISD. I mean, they got Charlie Wright from Austin Austin High, right? I mean, there are pl- there's plenty of talent around the area that have gone on. They play in the NFL right now, and Texas didn't even pick, give them the time of day. They give them the time of day. When you talk about taking over, winning back the state of Texas, winning over your backyard, it's not just Austin, Westlake, and Lake Travis. Okay, Texas has to do a much, much, much better job of recruiting their areas. And that's why when I'm seeing people – you know, stand up and clap and dance. And oh, oh, Texas hired Chris Gilbert from Lancaster. Chris Gilbert don't know nobody in Austin. Texas needs help recruiting in their own backyard. And also, Chris Gilbert's a South Dallas County. He doesn't get them into North Dallas, where Oklahoma's been cleaning them, cleaning up. There's still so much work to be done. There's so many things that can still be improved upon, right? But the thing is, though, Will, Steve Sarkeesian doesn't have a whole lot of time to, to get it going because what happens if he gets off to a slow start? Then Tom Herman started his career off losing to Maryland. Mm-hmm. Then Charlie Strong pop it off losing that first game. People are going to be on his ass. He's not going to be able to do his job. And I think Texas starting the season with the University of Louisiana, right? They started off this past season beating Iowa State, right? <laughs> yeah. They're a good program. We can be we're talking about all this stuff right now, Will, but if Texas comes out and loses their first game or starts off one and one or two and one, it all goes out the window. It's it's so hard. Now it's starting to make sense now why it's so hard to build a program and win here. Because it's gotta happen bam, 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 or everybody's on you and y'all can't do y'all job. Yeah, but I mean 
looking at what he's been doing so far in his approach to recruiting, it's it's good. It's there's some positive good. stuff. Yeah, it's for positive. sure. Yeah, there's obviously there's stumbling blocks, right? Like, what are you doing at quarterback position right now? You know, but we look at the wide receiver position. It's night and day from what you've seen at the end. You know, you're able to court guys like Kevin Coleman, like C.J. Williams, like Evan Stewart, because you know how to recruit that position. You know that those are guys who have big egos. You know that getting an offer out to them is important. Making sure that they feel loved is important. Not, finally, you made it to campus, so here's an offer. Mm-hmm. No, you're not in that mindset anymore where it's up to the other guys to show that, oh, they want you and not the other way around. It's lazy. Exactly. So it's a really good positive step in terms of how Texas is going about recruiting these new players, and especially in this new day and age where a guy like Evan Stewart has a million followers on TikTok. You don't think he likes feeling liked? You don't think he likes feeling attention? Why do you think he hasn't committed to Texas? And he's going to need attention once he's on campus, too. It's never going to stop. So, yeah, it's all stuff you got to take into account. Exactly. But he's not alone. He is not alone, I'm saying. No, not at not all. All these players from the offensive linemen, the wide receivers, the most divas usually on campus to the kicker, mm-hmm. they all want this attention. Giving out the offers, you know, as long as they are good players – giving out the offers and not being stingy with them, it is such a nice breath of fresh air. Right now, Texas is having to deal with Texas A&M coming off of being ranked number five in the nation and Oklahoma coming off of six straight conference championships. Yes, they both No, Oklahoma finally won a bowl game. Right, against a depleted Florida. But But you see the plan, and I think we kind of got off track, Will. The plan at Oklahoma – and A&M, what, 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 is, what, what are they doing right now? What are we seeing from them? Snatch up talent as fast as possible. Get guys in the class. They're pushing, a pushing kids to commit. And why yeah. is that? Because they don't want Texas to be able to get in their ear because Texas is going to have that first year bump. The one that Tom Herman had, the one that Charlie Strong had. The one that Jimbo got. The one that Jimbo had, the one that Lincoln Riley had. Mm-hmm. You know, all these coaches have the first year bump. These Two teams, while they're riding high, while they're riding very high, Ohio State, Texas A&M, OU, are trying to bring in as much Texas talent as they can before Steve Sarkeesian even has a chance. And unlike what Tom Herman had to deal with, unlike what Charlie Strong had to deal with, Steve Sarkeesian is having to deal with a lot tougher recruiting atmosphere, a lot more competitive atmosphere than those two coaching staffs had to deal with. Things have turned up several notches, man, and it's fascinating because a lot of a lot of big time names already in 2022 in state have already made their decisions. So guys are bam, bam, bam. It's not a lot of time. Things got to get taken care of quickly, and then Texas still is going to have to perform and prove it on the field in order to to maintain any momentum that they are able to generate um, this spring and this summer. It's just it's he's got a heck of a job, heck of a task in front of him, but he might just be the guy to do it. That's going to be important. It's going to be important flipping guys around like Harold Perkins, who right now is looking very much like a Texas A&M lean. Getting guys in who, you know, might have been a Texas lean at one point, like Devon Harris or Devon Campbell, making sure that I think both of those guys have high chances to end up in the class. Exactly. But it's going to be important that they aren't able to have the classic Texas A&M surprise flip like Dalen Wallace had. Oh, Demon Demas. Yeah. What the hell happened to him? Did he play this year? No, he didn't. They don't use their wide receivers very well over at AM. It's weird. It's very weird. I mean, they're they use them effectively, but not well. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't don't understand that business decision. But see, when AM was able to do that, guys were able to be on campus. You see what I'm saying? It's so tricky right now. Eighty percent of these kids they're talking to, I promise you, they've never seen in person before or met before. It's so tricky. And Man, I just – it's crazy times right now. It's crazy times right now. It's entertaining times, fun times to be a somebody that covers the Texas Longhorns, uh, fun time to be a follower of the program, a fan of the program. Um, it's exciting times. But, man, 
it's um times are also like you mentioned are as competitive um in every facet as as, as I can remember them being. Yeah, and so the falls of Texas. Texas has let it get to this spot. They're gonna have to do they're gonna have to be patient and work their way back to what they had in the early two thousands. But until then, it's gonna have to be winning where you can and a winning big where you can. Yeah, man. Don't make things more difficult for yourself. Mm-hmm. Take the easy wins and then get a big win where you can. On that note, y'all, that has been your fourth and five podcast, your Longhorn Nation podcast. I've been your host, Will Bazer. You guys can find me on Twitter at W-I-L-L-B-A-I-Z-E-R. Mr. DT, where can we find you? Y'all can find me in the same spot. D T E R R E L L zero five. Um, you know, a, a few of you um hit me up. You know, you ask questions. A few folks have become regulars hit me up on a weekly asking questions. Man, I'm all for it. Appreciate the correspondence, feedback. Appreciate y'all tuning in, listening to us, supporting us as always. Yeah, big thank y'all for listening to us. Really appreciate it. That's really the only reason I do this is because y'all because there are people who listen. I don't get paid to do this, so mm-hmm. I appreciate everybody who listens. Y'all can also find other episodes and other shows like this one on the Hornscast channel, which you're listening to currently. If you haven't heard us and you like us, go ahead and give us a subscription. Uh, give us a rating on iTunes. Help us out there. But uh, anyways, thank y'all for listening, and we will see y'all next week. Hook em. Yes, sir.